definitely what we do need is continued government support because what we've seen along there is that even the, the most efficient systems that in the last two years no one could have envisaged the challenge that would have been there with regards uh, input cost. If we were talking, say, two years on from, say, sheep prices reaching record levels and we didn't have those fertilizer prices, we didn't have those concentrate prices, well, we'd be looking at a, at a very different sector and I think very different levels of optimism and confidence. Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Obicast, the Chicago Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you various insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. We're joined in this week's episode by Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor Howard the Farmers Journal, to take a look back at the trends in national yield flock over the past decade and the implications that this will have on the sheep industry. Darren discusses the change in yield numbers, the region shift that has occurred, and the impact that this has had on the sector. We discuss breeding sales this year, opportunities and resilience in the sector, and we finish up the conversation with Darren highlighting some of the technical areas that will come more to focus in the coming seasons. We hear first from Darren about the national yield flock in context for us. Yeah, so if we look at numbers have been, I suppose, relatively steady in recent years, Kieran, we're starting, are standing at about 2.66 million ewes. That'd be up a couple of hundred thousand on a decade ago. But if we look at the last couple of years, say in isolation, there hasn't been too much of a change overall. But there has been, I suppose, what that figure masks or what it hides is that there's been a big change where where you numbers are where our sheep numbers are across the country. And that is something that that trend over the last decade is continuing and probably will continue, I suppose, maybe in its current vein, given that there's a lot of pressures on nitrates uh, looming, that there's also, I suppose, maybe continued conversions and there's uh, more pressure on land use uh, or or, or land utilisation. That's something we will definitely drill into a little bit more. Like in overall context, I suppose it's kind of hard just maybe to think back on it, but Relative to, we say, 10 years ago, 2012 figures, we have seen that slight increase in new numbers. Yeah, we've seen we've seen a slight increase. I suppose it's more than a slight, say, we've seen your numbers are probably standing 200,000 head higher. That if we think back, say, to 2008, 2009, 2010, your numbers are under real pressure. Uh, we've seen the introduction of the sheep grassland scheme, which provided a small reprieve. But the biggest thing to give an injection into, into your numbers was an increase in price or a substantial increase in price from 2010 to, to 2011 into 12. And that held static uh, for, for a number of years. There wasn't a huge amount of fluctuation in it. Average prices to those years were somewhere in the region of 450 a kilo to 480 a kilo for lambs. It's only in the last two years or let's say three years that we've seen another jump on that. But that, say, increase in 2011 brought a significant, I suppose, maybe... Uh, boost the confidence into the sheep sector and it was occurring at a time where there was probably a lot of pressure on suckler numbers in some counties and over the subsequent years we've seen a lot of trends in that. If we take I suppose maybe the standout trends and we start where sheep numbers are big first that if we take Donegal uh, it's the largest sheep county in Ireland at the moment there's about 370,000 ewes going on the 2022 sheep census but if we were to look at, say, how that has changed over the last decade, there's just shy of 58,000 more ewes in the sector. Uh, they have replaced over 7,000 suckler cows. And at the same time, there's been an increase of over 5,000, say, dairy cows in the sector. So uh, Donegal is a county that has, I suppose, maybe 
really, I suppose, maybe Chauvin with regards your numbers. But it's not, it hasn't been the largest, say, change. Mayo has actually been the county that has recorded the largest numerical change in the due number stand at 327,000. And over the last decade, they would have increased by about 62,200. Part of the increases in those counties as well, it's something that we often forget about, is that there was a renewed impetus in recent years on, uh, say, having sheep grazing the hills. There was uh, commonage framework plans done. And we did see a lot of, I suppose, maybe movement of sheep back up to the hill so the fact that Donegal and say Mayo both have a large co- uh, say a large land area of sort of mountain and hill ground definitely helped in that situation as well also uh, suckler cows moving up marginal areas and being replaced by sheep uh, brought in changes as well we didn't see the same increase in Galway that we we probably would have thought we would have seen in Galway uh, sheep numbers only increased or ewe numbers by about 16,000 head uh, to now sit around 280,000 head so while Galway was once very close to Donegal there now is a significant shift and if we look at your numbers in Donegal, Galway, Kerry and Mayo you're looking at over 45 to 46% of the national flock so we've seen numbers I suppose become a lot more concentrated to the west Uh at the expense of sheep numbers in the Easter country. And like I talk about very big counties there, like Galway, Donegal, uh, Galway, we've also seen increases in smaller counties as well. It's interesting. So there's a couple of things going on over that last couple of years. Let's just take the dry stock farmers first. We have seen that shift maybe from sucklers. Sheep numbers probably remain in places. Look, probably a little bit opposite to what most would assume that the sheep will go first. It actually was the sucklers to reduce on a lot of dairy stock farms first. But sheep were more yeah, resilient in a lot of places. It, it it probably was, Kieran. And like if we're if we're to look at I suppose anecdotal reports or to look at even reports from your colleagues, like they would have said that there was, I suppose, a renewed emphasis on the mixed farming system as well. That some farms that would have gone away from sheep altogether now had a cohort or now had a small flock of sheep uh, coming back into the situation again. And to me, weather had a big influence in that as well. That we had a few years with very wet summers, high costs on the suckler side, and uh, sheep were utilised on those farms again. And I, and I think that was a big a big help. There was also a nice uh, injection of youth in some of those counties as well. This, uh, <laughs> that's long overdue again. But if we think back to maybe eight or ten years ago, that whole increase in prices did bring a bit more, I suppose, maybe... Uh, optimism and more younger farmers uh, joining the sector and all of those things helped as well. Uh, like if, if you took a county like Sligo and Leitrim uh, and if we looked at say numbers in Leitrim they're up 20,000 over the last uh, over the last say 10 years and if we're, that's almost say 27% coming from a small flock basis similar if we look at numbers in Sligo they're up 20,000 or 24% so they are big increases uh, Longford uh, small flock, but numbers up, say, 23, 24%. So all those counties, say, that might have a more, I suppose, maybe a significant percentage of more marginal land, they all recorded nice increases, which was, I suppose, the driver of those uh, numbers increasing. Because on the flip side of that, that we can very quickly uh, count up a situation of your numbers probably falling by seventy or 80,000 in counties in the east of the country. That's the other key element, like there, and some of this will have played out on the western seaboard as well. But 
if we went to the east of the country, Darren, that increase in dairy cow numbers, like if we looked at counties like Wexford, places like Westmead, they've seen huge expansion. Probably on both fronts, the cow numbers certainly, suckler cow numbers certainly fell, but the sheep numbers also follow that trend. Definitely, like the two standout counties, and, and we, we hear this an awful lot, is uh, Wexford is one of the big standout counties, and we would have seen this if we go back maybe 12, 18 months ago, there was a lot of high-profile uh, say farmers that exited sheep production uh, to go into dairying uh, and that was very big I suppose maybe in recent years uh, sheep numbers in Wexford over the last decade have fallen by just shy of 16,500 euros or 17% the reduction is actually probably uh, even to a greater extent if if we were to look at maybe the combination of uh, say counties around Kilkenny, Leash, Carlow where there has been a nice bit of expansion of dairying as well but definitely Wexford stands out on its own with that, say, uh, five-digit five reduction. If we're to look, I suppose, the other standout counties, Kilkenny, 10,000 of reduction, that's 20% when you take the Kilkenny had a flock of 50,000 ewes in 2012. It's now down to 40,000 ewes. Carlow, 10% drop, 8,000 head down to about 70,000 ewes. Cork, actually, I thought it'd be more. Cork fell by 5,000 ewes. Uh, so it's remarkable given that over the last decade there's been 100,000 extra dairy cows entering Cork, while yet there's been only 5,000 sheep uh, exiting production. If we're to look at Kilkenny in the same time frame, that 10,000 sheep that went out of the county, there was 43,000 extra dairy cows. And likewise, if you were to look at uh, Wexford, there was an extra 35,000 dairy cows entering the sector. And those counties also, I suppose, maybe uh, the increase in, in sucklers was very hard on, on sucklers. Sorry, the increase in dairy cow numbers was very hard on suckler farming. And if we look at, say, Wexford, uh, there's 27, uh, there was 27,000 cows there in 2022, 10,000 down on, on a decade ago, Kilkenny. Uh, 13 almost 14,000 cows less. You've only 27,000 suckler cows now. Kenny Leash had a drop of 20%. Uh, Carlo had a drop of 23%. Cork had a big drop of 25%. Uh, so significant numbers, I suppose, and significant change to the farm and landscape in all of those areas down there. And like one would have to say, Kieran, that you're probably going to see a continuation of that. That if, uh, there is a further move, say, from the nitrate derogation in the coming years, and we see that there is pressure from 220 down to 170, for example. One could only envisage that you'd have a significant knock-on impact in Tipperary, Kilkenny, Waterford, Cork, all those areas where I suppose there's a high concentration in certain areas of dairy cows now. Yeah, look, certainly that challenge in the rental market, it has to, it's going to have an impact on the company. It's probably having an impact already, but as you indicated, they are slated to have a bigger impact in the coming seasons. Like, if we talk that in context, we've seen a big regional shift in production in a very short space of time. That's going to have a knock-on impact on factory supply, um, market supply as well, and that local economy. Just in that, for the sheep production end of it, it will have an impact. Massive, and like if we look at where the largest uh, sheep factory is, Irish Country Meats in Camolan. It is probably seeing the greatest exodus of sheep around it, and it's no it's no surprise then that you see maybe agents 
for ICM down that neck of the woods, very active in Donegal, linked into a lot of the big producer groups, very active back my side of the country now under significant numbers of lambs, leaving uh, on a twice or even uh, three times a week uh, to agents, uh, to collection points, which if we went back three or four years ago, those collection points wouldn't, wouldn't have been a feature at all. This sheep coming out of Hedford, uh, say me, uh, coming into... East Galway, Roscommon, South Roscommon, and even the same way for collection points in Roscommon for lambs leaving and going to either Kildare Chillin or going to down to Irish country meets as well. So we're seeing, I suppose, a significant shift that way. And, and we're seeing, I suppose, maybe more, more, I suppose, maybe appetite to tie into, say, sheep numbers in those areas. And also, I think one of the big shifts as well is that if we look at, say, the the change in trends of, say, the production cycle now, if you take, say, all the sheep numbers that have gone out of Wexford, Kilkenny, Carlow, a lot of those were early land production systems. And there's a real, I suppose, maybe appetite now uh, for factories to tie into, particularly down in Irish country meats, uh, to tie into producer groups like up in Donegal or Mayo or Galway where there might be a, a significant carryover of, say, hoggets from, from later lambing flocks, uh, and that that is, I suppose, maybe something that they're trying to use to insulate themselves from having a lower uh, supply uh, supplies in the, in the first half of the year. And I think that's probably something that's going to become more apparent in the next few years, particularly with a lot of religious festivals now falling in the first six months of the year. So not only have we seen that shift in production more to the western counties, more to the peripheral counties, you're moving out of the better land there and you're moving to more marginal areas, you're moving to later lamb and flocks, which naturally suits you. That's having an impact on the overall production system we're seeing. Definitely. And like you would say this in an ideal world, you would you would think that a lot of those lambs would move back down or a lot of the lambs, say, from the hill regions in Mayo, Donegal, Galway, that they... The, the the sensible thing or that the I suppose the more economical or feasible thing is that is that they would move back down to the east of the country and maybe be finished on some of the tillage farms and cash crops. We won't go into the whole debacle that was this year, Kieran, but like uh, the rules brought in, the initial rules brought in by the department this year caused real harm uh for, for some of those supply chains and I and I think that will have an impact right out well into late spring this year because you're going to see I think a lot of late lambs, a lot of light lambs still on the market that possibly could have been say transferred to farms in the east. But going back to your initial question, definitely the not only are the sheep numbers moving, but also say the the production potential. And if you do take lambs out of I suppose maybe your more highly productive areas or your better land areas, it definitely will change the, I suppose, the pattern of supply in, in future years because land numbers just won't finish as quick in the West without use of concentrates. Look, we're talking about trends. We've seen quite a big change in a positive way with increased numbers, but in the last couple of years, we've seen that regional shift. Potentially, Darren, if we look at some of the more marginal areas, like the organic scheme that was introduced, some of the more eco schemes coming in, will that have an impact on your numbers? Will we see a greater uptake in those counties? We're probably seeing a bit of it already. Yeah, I think undoubtedly you will, Kieran, that if we were to look at, say, some of the initial figures, uh, say, from the organic farming scheme, 
there's about 80,000 sheep that are now, say, in conversion, side of that converts it to organics. There's another 150,000 in conversion across about 1,500-odd flocks. So quite a significant number or percentage of, the, say, the 4,000 farmers that are farming organically. 40% of those will be categorized as, say, their main enterprises will be sheep. And I think this the organic farming scheme is opening again on Friday the 3rd of November. I think that given the challenging year that you've had, uh, given the last two years have been very challenging in terms of hill lamb prices, that we're going to see a significant cohort of hill lamb or maybe up lamb, uh, say, sheep producers, now look more seriously at organics. And I think that on some of those farms, that you're going to have an in- inevitable situation that, yes, you're going to have more land farmed organically, but you're not probably going to have a significant increase in output from those farms like if you take it at the moment the leakage from organic farming system is probably somewhere around 60 to 70 percent now that leakage is going to probably continue mightn't be at the same rate but i think where your reduction is or where your say the drop off in production relative to the increase in, in organic participation is going to come from is that some farmers in in those areas are just going to cut their cloth to suit and whether that be lamb less less your numbers or cut your numbers, I think you're going to see a scenario like that. And look, we're already here, and I suppose maybe some reports in some areas of, say, maybe some farms have gone organic and maybe not putting out a ram this year, or they don't even have to be organic farms, or some hill farms have said that they, given the poor returns, that they're cutting down on your numbers. Now, you'll always hear a lot of those reports, I suppose, when confidence is on the ground, when optimism is, is at a low level. So exactly how much of that translates into an actual scenario of that happening, it, it's hard to know. But definitely if we have more organic, say, sheep farmers, it definitely will bring a reduction in the number of, say, sheep that is held on those farms. Because one of the things we often forget with organics, but to be a successful organic farmer in terms of, driving production, maintaining the same level of, say, stock that you have if you're a highly stocked farm, it actually probably takes a greater level of management with regards uh, bringing in, say, uh, alternative crops or bringing in, say, forage crops to finish animals. Uh, and like we've seen that a lot of the farms that are probably joining organics that a significant cohort of those, they don't really, I suppose, maybe have that plan in mind it's more so joining for the premium rather for joining for the organic for organic principles. The point I was going to bring in later on, but it, it's probably up now. If we're to take that problem in organics, it's probably a wider problem in the sheep sector. And there's a great opportunity maybe in this one too. You touched on this already. Store lamb production, store lamb finishing. For some producers, maybe on better land in the east of the country in that organic setting, the need for a bit more joined up thinking at an industry level, but also it's a potential system to incorporate in a lot of farms, Darren. It's one that doesn't require huge amounts of labour input. There's great feasibility for farms to look at store lamb finishing, particularly ones maybe have cut back in new numbers over the last couple of years. Is it a little bit of an untapped resource? And at an industry level, do we need to shift a little bit our thinking a little bit more towards linking up farmers? I think it's definitely an untapped resource. And I think you're probably going to see a small bit of a move towards that uh, direction uh, in in one sense because we have seen, I suppose, maybe 
the potential of that sort of dry hogger system plateau that if we look back at the last five to eight years in particular, there's been a significant number of farmers operating the system where they're buying your lambs, say whether that be that they've cut down, say the your flock or else gone out of lamb and yours altogether, buying your lambs and producing them as say as you hoggets for sale in the following autumn. Uh that's I suppose maybe production system has been, you'd say probably flooded a bit in recent years. This year is the first year where you'd say numbers have been tighter and that has actually helped the system. It has actually helped the prices that have been paid and we're getting back to a scenario, I think, where uh, the say numbers of, of animals coming into the system is probably closer to the demand. But if we're to look at, say, the options for some of those farmers, I think that the better option for some of those might be uh, purchasing Yes, continue to purchase in a cohort because a lot of those systems have to say adhere to A and Z rules or have to have minimum stock on rates for BIS or for whatever schemes they have. Uh, but I think that a better option for some of those would be to say finish a cohort of the poor, say, your hoggets or else operate, say, a small store lamb system beside it. You mentioned whether that would be a feasible option for organic farming. The only issue at the moment is that we're seeing that there isn't an, a significant number of organic, say, our farmers joining organics across, say, the tillage sector where you would have a ready supply of cash crops. So the department, I suppose, are prioritizing or have higher payments for tillage, dairy and horticulture. The uptake has been so low uh, in the in the last, say, tranche, last two tranches in particular. So I think you're probably going to see that sort of low uptake continue until it. So that's probably a little bit tempered on the, on the, say, the capacity or the potential that's there. But definitely, I think there is more opportunities. And we've seen this in some areas. We've seen the likes of some, uh, say, the Marts and Kerry sending up uh, five-figure uh, sums of lambs up to farmers in Carlow and Mead along that direction. Uh, maybe not this year or last year, but previous to that, there was a very good, I suppose, maybe trade establishing. And that, and that's where we need to get to is moving lambs, maybe more of those areas into areas where lambs can be finished at a lower cost and you're less, I suppose, maybe reliant on concentrates. The biggest issue in, in the last couple of years, and we touched on it, is this year is the catch crops uh, and then last year and this year has been weather drought last year and uh very, very challenging conditions with regards flooding this year and high rainfall levels in counties that wouldn't have normally experienced it. So you're seeing the combination of that, I suppose, maybe tempering demand for store lands in those areas. But it's something I think that the sector probably needs to build a bit more to. And I think the sector needs to definitely, I think the Department of Agriculture need to look at how they can foster more relationships between uh, sheep farmers and tillage farmers rather than put a wedge between them like we've seen happen this year. We, also have to, we have to keep it in context, like what they have the scope and the scale. There is a great margin there in them. There is a great potential for a margin in that store lamb system. Like So it's, if it's a viable option to add on to a unit. Well, if we were to look at maybe, I'd say, and I haven't done any figures on this, but I'd say if we were to look at five of the last eight years, that farmers that have bought light, say, hill store lambs and kept them out, uh, say and and uh, had them drafted ready for slaughter in late spring to coincide with, with peak demand and higher prices. They probably returned as much as farmers that have lambing down yours and maybe taken the brunt of labour. So definitely, if there is a system there that suits, 
uh, those door lamp ignition systems can be very lucrative, provided you tap into the system that I suppose maybe suits the farm based and suits uh, the best opportunity to have lambs there available at the highest price point. Look, we, we started talking about yours. We'll conclude talking about yours. Anecdotally, Darren, this year, nobody will put their hand up and say it wasn't challenging. It continues to be very challenging, even at the moment. There's a gist of a chat out there that new numbers have reduced. It's not really bearing out, though, in the numbers that we're looking at at the moment. No, and like, it, it, you hit the nail in the head, Kieran. It has been a very, very challenging year. But if you were to look at or take a benchmark of, say, Hoggett sales this year, it would have exceeded all my expectations anyway, and it probably would have exceeded expectations of a lot of the sector, that if we took the first half of this year in isolation and we took maybe a bit of pressure on price and then took came into uh, a very high-cost, say, scenario where fertilizer costs are very high, concentrate costs very high, a lot of doom and gloom in the sector, a lot of people talking about reducing numbers, that didn't sort of bear out in, in that everyone was expecting that autumn breeding sales would be under significant pressure and that there would be uh, the prices would be well below last year. One of the things I mentioned earlier was that I think definitely the lower numbers helped, but we've seen that there was quite a bit of confidence in those sales and I think that you're probably gone to a situation that uh, you have a cohort of farmers now that are in sheep farming, they know sheep farming, they're set up for sheep production and that they are maybe confident in that sector and that they might have tried other sectors or we've seen other say some farmers try a dairy calf beef system and maybe find that it didn't suit their land type or that type of thing. So I think that uh, going forward, we probably would see numbers steady, particularly in the, in the say, in the western half or the midlands. Yes, we're going to see continued pressure down in the, in the east of the country. But if we were to look at your numbers, the figures probably don't show up in regards to kill figures so far this year. Now, one of the things that could be hidden a bit in the kill figures is that if we're looking at, look at the overall, say, your throughput or you throughput this year, we're running at about 270,000 head. We're about 40,000 head lower than this time last year. Now, I think a significant cohort of those yours uh, might actually have been drafted for slaughter, but we've seen that demand for say, very heavy yours this year and the rise of, I suppose, maybe local abattoirs or, uh, say, units that aren't, uh, that are uh, policed by the local authority or county councils rather than the Department of Agriculture. So it's probably that 42,000 figure that's running lower is probably uh, reduced a bit. And we're probably going to see a higher, say, number of live exports are used. But taking all of that into account, you would have expected that the figures would have been a lot higher for you numbers. Now, we have seen, I, I think, in, in the last week or in the last two weeks, we're seeing a significant number of ewes coming out that are in poor condition. So maybe farmers kept their cool ewes on for a bit longer this year, say for since weaning, definitely in the start of the year when we had record cool ewe prices. Cool ewes were, were, say, drafted rapidly. So... For, I suppose the anecdotal reports of what we're hearing of significant numbers leaving the sector isn't tallying through to what we're seeing with the figures coming through from the kill data or from live exports or from even from the experience of sales this year. And I think that, yes, there could be a lot of doom and gloom around, say, your numbers reducing in the east of the country. But I think that if there's one bright point you can take, I think that that is definitely 
uh, I suppose, maybe in the context of where we are with input cost, record input cost, in the context of where we are with, I suppose, hill chief systems being under real pressure, the fact that we haven't seen more ewes being slaughtered, to me, is a, is a positive thing. So, Darnley, if we maybe put that in context, the, the sector is a little bit more resilient than maybe someone would have thought. But, like, at a basic level, where we'd all advocate maybe cutting back on our problem use, culling a little bit harder in a given season, particularly this year that's been difficult, reducing overall new numbers, reducing overall lamb sales next year in a flock. So, your labour input is more or less the same. Unless you're very heavily stocked, it's going to have a negative impact on your margin in the following season. Yeah. And I think it's always a good exercise here and to, as you say, to look at, say, your your flock, look at what's performing, call out, say, the bottom performers in the flock. And also, you'd have to say in the context of the last two years that we need to get back to, I suppose, maybe looking at production of a grass-based system. We can be less reliant and concentrated to, I suppose, plug any gaps or compensate maybe for, for grass uh, management not being where it should be or maybe where it's like. Uh, definitely the resilience uh, part of it you see more farmers now more interested in say alternative forages uh, we've seen the rise of farmers experimenting with clover with herb mixes uh, and that's something that has to be commended and, and it is it is a show I suppose maybe of the resilience of the sector there and the drive to keep uh, moving forward and to keep improving like the one thing that we probably have as well say that that does need a bit of reverse in his age profile of the sheep sector. But you'd have to say that say the more I suppose farmers with the larger flocks, the farmers that are say pushing on, that those farmers are operating at a very high standard and a very uh, good level of efficiency. And that's something that is welcome to see as well. And as uh, as you mentioned earlier on, look at the alternatives out there moving away from sheep to dairy calf to beef systems or sucklers is probably encouraging some farmers to stick with sheep. The only standout alternative, as we've seen in recent years, has been dairy. And I think that maybe the downturn in prices and the, uh, the pressure from, say, nitrates and maybe more uh, wider environmental concerns has probably tempered uh, the scale of conversions or the rate of conversions at the moment. Darren, you've covered a hell of a lot. Really appreciate you coming on with me today and going through that. I know you put a lot of effort into pulling some of the numbers together and looking at the trends. Uh, we'll not wait five years to have you on again, but I think it was an interesting synopsis of where the industry has been in the last couple of years. Some of the challenges and some of the opportunities to stay. And I think where you finish at the end point, like the efficiency in systems, the labour input in systems, that's something that's going to become more important over the coming seasons. And it's probably something that, like yourself ourselves have to work on for a change in what will be a change in landscape. Certainly, Kieran, uh, like labour efficiency is going to, across every sector, it's going to become massive in the next few years. And I think that uh, also how inputs or how resources are used is going to be a big one as well. And we haven't talked at all today around, say, the impact of land designations, nature restoration law. But I think, look, those are things that we could get caught up on. We could spend a half an hour talking about and we really don't know what the impact of those are going to be. Yes, they have the impact, they have uh, they have the potential to have a significant impact, but in a void of, I suppose, maybe any any certainty of what's going to be delivered, I think this uh, we have to keep planning as is and, as you say, for trying to reduce uh, 
try and reduce, say, labour input, try and make the systems most efficient and try and return the best margin that's there. And, like, definitely what we do need is continued government support because what we've seen along there is that even the, the most efficient systems that in the last two years no one could have envisaged the challenge that would have been there with regards uh, input cost. If we were talking, say, two years on from say sheep prices reaching record levels and we didn't have those fertilizer prices, we didn't have those concentrate prices, well, we'll be looking at a, at a very different sector and I think very different levels of optimism and confidence. Darren, look, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks very much. We'll have to leave it there for this week's episode. It's very interesting looking back at what's happened in the sheep sector in the past decade and implication that those changes have had, particularly the region, shift on the sheep supply and overall impact on the sector itself as well as some opportunities that are out there for producers. I'd like to thank Darren again for going through that in detail with us and pulling them numbers together. That's it for this week. For updates on our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chalk Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more episodes.